Wiggins drives, kicks. Three, good. That's the 22nd made three that ties the mark for most threes made against the Raptors. Albert Einstein once said insanity was doing the same thing over and over again. So, Nick Nurse, are you Einstein's definition of a lunatic as you watch open threes rain down on the Toronto Raptors? Raptors, of course, sinking to an 8-10 and 10 record, letting Jordan Poole go 8 for 11 from three, and Andrew Wiggins hitting five triples as well. To dissect, continue dissecting this confusing, complex, but perhaps genius in the long run defensive system is my faithful and loyal co-host, Viral Agisi. Viral, come back. Some stadium noise coming from my end. Apologies, everyone. Um, yeah, the atmosphere is hotting up over there. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a very, very refreshing week off for me. Um, we had uh, a very interesting defensive insight from Camille last week, and it's probably something we are going to delve into this week also. Um, last three games, they haven't been great for us, Coom. I mean, one and two uh, could yeah, be worse, I mean, but two of those were blowouts, uh, albeit against the top two, two of the top teams in the West. Yeah, I mean, I think what we said, right, was uh, from the Utah game onwards on the road trip, if you go three and five, three, uh, three or five, so three and two, you're sort oh. of looking at steadying the ship. Um, and of course, Memphis tonight and Indiana uh, on Saturday, on Friday night, sorry, uh, it's, it's more than possible still, still within reach, of course, that magic 500 number. It is in reach, but this Indiana team, I think, is looking better and better. I mean, the way they absolutely blew out Chicago makes me think, OK, they might be turning things around there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the story of this season. It's just been fairly steady going. Just that That's why we're around the even mark. We've pretty much beaten every team that we've beat, we would have expected to have beat, bar, I'd probably say, the Pistons, but... Even with the Pistons, they've looked better since Cade's been back. Um, and we've lost most of the games we would have expected to lose. Um, and as I, as I just said, the slightly frustrating thing against in those like Jazz and Warriors games is that we didn't look particularly competitive. And particularly against the Warriors, they absolutely killed us from three. And it wasn't even from who you'd expect. Uh, it wasn't from the main man, uh, Steph himself. I think Steph went one of six from three. But um, then the rest of the team actually went, uh, the rest of the Warriors team actually went 22 of 45. So they shot 48% from three. I mean, 22 made threes. You're never, ever going to win a game when you let uh, the other team score that many threes. And indeed, <laughs> so I think most of those threes that they made were wide, wide open as well. Um, okay, but let me let me let me stop you right there because we can go right into this analysis and we can start with the Warriors. So yeah. For fans who don't know, 119-104 loss. Uh, we've mentioned Wiggins and Jordan Poole uh, and Otto Porter Jr. actually providing uh, from beyond the arc. But on a contrary note, the Raptors were competitive in this game. They'd cut the deficit to single digits in the fourth quarter. And it was only really through a couple of mistakes from Chris Boucher, who we came on later, that the Warriors extended their lead once again. 
stop holding Steph Curry to two and ten. I mean, Steph Curry's stats this year are ridiculous. Probably, perhaps better, more impressive than his than his MVP season. Twenty eight point four points he's averaging. That's second in the league to go with six point six assists, shooting forty five percent from three. I mean, and and you hold him to to two of ten from the field. I, I think that's pretty damn good, to be honest. Um, you know what? How how are this Raptors team with not a lack of quality, but a lack of superstar quality, ever going to compete with these bigger teams without at least trying something different, or you know, stopping the star offensive player and you know, just banking on the role players not not being ridiculously hot from beyond the arc? You know, what would you have done against this Warriors team if you were Nick Nurse? I mean, when you put it like that, it's uh, I like that argument. But in all serious, uh, in all reality, I mean, with Steph, like it, it's it's yes, we played good defense on him, but like it did require us um, defending him really, really uh, high up the floor and uh, doubling a, on a, a quite a lot of possessions actually. Which, which is why the ball was swung into the corners, and we were just giving up wide open corner threes. Which I think we're the biggest culprits of that out of any team in the NBA. Um, and you think that we're ranked dead last in terms of giving up wide open corner threes? And um, do you I, think I mean, that's yeah. personnel, though, or do you think that's on no, it's purpose? Because it's it's absolutely play style. No, because... but surely Nick Nurse isn't giving them up. Surely just the Raptors aren't rotating quick enough. I mean, I think I touched on this in the different in the uh, tactics podcast. Um, so, well, it, it, I think it comes down to a coaching issue, but with the person, like, given the personnel that we have, because let's look at, you know, two or three years previously, um, and even actually in the 2019-2020 season, um, we were very good at defending from the three-point line, but the makeup of this team has changed. The current defensive system is about just maximizing, you know, switching on basically on every single pick and roll. Whenever anyone does come to the uh, paint, uh, there's a massive emphasis on help defense and stopping any paint points. But we are, because we are so incredibly undersized, that is what we have to do in the paint. And if we want to do that, our um, restricted area, you know, the field goal percentage we would give up would be even worse than it currently is. But if, even this season come out, I think we're giving up like 70... Yeah, 70%. 70 percent field goal percentage in the restricted league. area, which... You, so they're giving up like the worst percentage both from outside the arc and in, the, in that restricted area. So something's going wrong. Last year, we did a better job at that, but we actually had, you know, proper, you know, seven-foot centres. And we... Okay, Ken Birch is on size. Like, every single one of our plays, it fits into that, you know, we were talking about that six, seven, six, nine mould. And that means you don't... It's not just about, you know, people like Aaron Baines getting blocks in the restricted area. It's about just contesting shots there. And so um, when you have the likes of Steph, there's a couple of times he um, he got past his man, got to the paint as we were defending him so high and tight, uh, you know, outside the three-point line. But he would break his defender down and it was literally so incredibly easy for him to make that pass uh, to the, either to, to the perimeter shooter or to the corner. And basically, I think we were able to defend the three-point line better in previous seasons because we had more, you know, veteran savvy. 
it, it wasn't just about you know high energy players, but just players who understood the system very very well and be who'd been playing under Nick Nurse for you know one or two seasons. But mainly they were just very intelligent players, like Marcus Sol. Um, we had uh, Ibaka, of course. Fred Van Vliet, OG's been was still in that system for a couple of years. But when you've got all this fresh blood coming in as well, this like high risk Raptors defense, which is all about trying to get deflections and interceptions, as opposed to you know properly contesting shots, because again they struggle to have the uh, the personnel for that. But they're also built to score and transition offense. So they want to maximize, you know, that high-risk defensive play style in order to get those interceptions and just run up the floor and, you know, get the ball in the hands of, uh, you know, Siakam and Scotty Barnes on the fast break. Uh, because, you know, that half-court offense for them is not their strength. So it, it's like, it's, a, it's, a, it's an overall picture. So, okay, this is why they're playing defense like this. But, you know, in previous season come out, seasons come out, I think to illustrate my point about the fact that, you know, we've got a lot of young players. And so it takes some time to learn these quite complicated, like, help and switching schemes that the Raptors have. In previous years, we saw so many, like, zone defences and sometimes, like, box and ones busted out by Nick Nurse. And we just haven't seen those same schemes anywhere near as much this season because it should be about, you know, diluting that comp- the complexity of those defensive schemes because... Yeah, we've got a lot of young talent and a lot of even new players, the likes of Dragic on this team as well. Like, uh, Well, Dragic is out of the rotation completely, to be fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but so. the point still stands. It's, we, it, it's going to take a lot of getting used to. So um, Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Season, they, will, they will make it, Kamel, um, and this you know defensive scheme will work. But it's very much high risk, high reward, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I saw a great quote. He's not building a team to win in November or a system to win in June because that's when it matters. That's how a Raptors squad with no obvious number one superstar option is really going to nail it down. Um, Moving on from the Warriors, I do want to touch on your point, especially about the centre. And we'll move to the Utah Jazz game, especially. Rudy Gobert score it doesn't look like he had a particularly phenomenal game of course 100% from the field 7 from 7 and 11 rebounds and a couple of blocks but it's that kind of thing which can really really throw the Raptors off if you look at all the losses this season without fail I think it's been against teams with okay aside from the Warriors with really traditional big men you know just just killing it at the minute I mean Drummond was an obvious exception but, you know, you look at Cleveland, you look at uh, Washington at the start of the season, Chicago, the Bulls with, with Vucevic, uh, the Mavericks, who, of course, we'll come on to later. It's that obvious big man who, who is difficult to defend. Um, right. And again, I'm not sure what you think. I'm liking how precious Achua is developing. He's still obviously very raw, but I think he's shown enough that he can be that rim protected, would you think he's too undersized to carry out that role and the Raptors maybe need to dip into the market next season or the draft next season? Um, do you Just when it comes to... The, you mean to play the number five position? Yeah, defending traditional fives, yeah. No, How are we going to no, do that? Not. And Kamel, in all, in all honesty there, like he was playing very, very poorly as a starter and it's only coming off the bench where 
Um, well, even as a starter, yes, he did show potential, but he was shooting pretty horribly from the field. Um, obviously, he's not a three-point shooter, so we'll forgive him for his three-point shooting, but he really was forcing forcing it too much as a starter, and he's had more a more positive impact coming off the bench. Um so no, he, I I think he's too on size to be a you know the solution for our big man problem because we certainly do have a problem. We have a seven foot hole there, Camille. And Ken, <laughs> Ken Birch, I, I assume I assume you think the same about Ken Birch as well. Too small, yeah. Um, and, so and this, I mean, and if he, he could, come on, the Warriors enough muscle on him either, Camille has he? He's not one what of do these. What you think? Small, small ball can't can't do it in the NBA. Is that what you're saying? No, no. If we're going to have somebody like six eight, six nine, six ten in that centre position, then, yeah, he needs to be a bit beefier. You know, somebody who's able to, you know, properly box people out and grab rebounds. A PJ and... Tucker, maybe, yeah. Oh, no, too too small. <laughs> oh, he's 6'9 as well. What do you want? Is he 6'9? He looks, to be honest, he looks oh, about 6'5", 6'6". PJ, PJ Tucker. He is no, I absolutely guarantee you he's not 6'9". PJ Tucker, looks... uh, wait, 1.96 metres, whatever that is. Maybe 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, fine. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. You, need, you need a beef. And um, you need at least, you know, uh, one of these 6'11", uh, 6'7", six, six, tw- like foot guys, at least, you know, coming off the bench and playing 20, 25 minutes a game. Even if he's not yeah, starting, I mean, we, we, we I don't mean, even have an that. An interesting point is all those Warriors teams had that Bogut or Zaza didn't they to play crucial minutes to be fair so you know there's uh there's always a point there but but for now until until the raptors do dip into the market how are you just going to stop these fives killing us in the paint what do you think well i mean obviously you'd be part of the raptors scouting team if you knew but just from an analyst perspective what do you think I, I'm not touching that question you please i'm going to throw that right back at you because i have no answer well, no, I think, I mean, it sounds stupid, but keep doing what they're doing. You know, this whole um, hyper-aggressive defense does prevent uh, the ball just being, you know, lobbed into the post, right? Because of right, such yeah. high pressure there. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, you, you should only be giving up one of open three or paint. You, you know, both is just an absolute mess and is what we've seen in the losses. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, so just keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep um, emphasizing defense if they do, you know, get the ball into the post, right? So, yeah. I, I and it will that. work. And it will work. It's it's yeah. only, I mean, I say it's only 18 games. That's that's almost a quarter of the season gone. But it's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. So, uh, should, we, should we move on to a, move on to a more positive note? The offense is a little bit. I mean, um, 108 against Sacramento, uh, 113 against Portland, 121 against... Detroit, the offense, something we thought would really, really struggle to to break three digits this season. Uh, so maybe if I can just take it to the Sacramento game, mm. um, especially Pascal Siakam, who a lot of people, I mean, throughout, I guess, since Kawhi left, have been criticizing him for not being good enough as a number one option. He dropped 32 points, um, including 10 of 12 from the field, 9 of 10 from the free throw line, 3 of 3 from uh, from 3. And uh, Gary Trent Jr. is also stepping it up. Um, do you think that the offensive side of this Raptors team, again, is good enough? Or do you think that there has to be some sort of system change or personnel change going forward? You know, one is, is 110, that, setting that benchmark, is that enough for a competitive Eastern team this season? Um, I don't want to look at it too much from 
purely like a points per game yeah. uh, aspect. But look, I think, yeah, we probably do have it. Well, do we have enough um, ball handers and guys who can create for themselves? Uh, that's probably, you know, that's probably a big thing. Um, I mean, what do you think? What do you think of the the few? I mean, someone like Delano Banton, he's overtaken Flynn as the backup point guard. Exactly. Yeah. He's a chaotic yeah. character, six foot nine. Um, not not sure we think of him as like a ball handler, uh, uh, the Raptors' main creator off the bench. Yeah, he he definitely um, a big reason as to why he was drafted was his you know vision for his size and his ball handling still needs to be improved on. Um, Sometimes his passes were getting telegraphed, so I'm probably turning the ball over a bit too much for my liking. But um, he's not um, at the moment. He's not the way he creates is you know it, it requires more so his teammates to you know make uh, good cuts or he's passing really well and in transition. It, it's less of the case of you know him beating his man off the dribble. And hence somebody having to come over to help and then playmaking in that way. He's more of just, he's got very high IQ. And he, whenever there is an open man, due to somebody else, you know, to, uh, making a good play, he's able to find that man. But he's not so much of a, you know, um, I guess traditional playmaker, somebody like, like Van Vliet who can actually get past his man and then uh, pass it although, out. So, Although when he finds a lane, no one's stopping him. I mean, he's, he's just. He's, he's brilliant at that. His conviction in yeah, the drive. Absolutely. He's, he's really impressive. Yeah, I agree. Uh, obviously, no, but what, I, mean, on defense. I mean, constantly when you look at team stats, the Raptors bench points is not good enough. You can see the starting five mm-hmm. and you can see enough firepower there, especially Gary Trent Jr. Stepped, stepping up big time. Right, right, right. But um, there's, no, there's no spark, is there, about other competitive teams. You always think about a massive sixth man you know, dropping 15, 20 every game. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. But who's, I mean, the Raptors sort of expanded the rotation a little bit, but still no one, no one is stepping up to the plate. Who wants that mantle? I thought for a minute it might be Svee Mikhailuk, but he's fallen off a bit. Precious is showing something, not enough. Boucher is just, I mean, he's, he's every time people want to get rid of him, he has a decent game and then sort of the cycle starts again with Boucher. And is, is that somebody who you want to discuss, Camille? But it, I think, yeah, amazing point there. I, I'd not thought about it previously, but we don't really have that spark plug, plug off the bench who we perhaps have had in previous seasons. Um, who yeah, can give you 20, and, and it's just not enough sometimes. You need someone different, different. Uh, when when t- when you aren't breaking down teams. Um, but, uh, on another part. point, Camille, um, maybe part of the reason is, you know, the rotation that the the main, the starters are having to, you know, churn out. Uh, is quite ridiculous the load that they've had on them, Kamal. I think Van Vliet is number one in the league in distance covered on the court. <laughs> and um, I think Ananobi and Van Vliet, I think I'm right in saying that they're one and two in minutes played this season. Yeah, Raptors um, are. I mean, they starting five, they played so many minutes. I think the Kings game was a rest game for them comparatively, and they still oh, played over. But that, that's it. Like, how, how do you expect the bench mob to develop how you like and to have more the impact that we would like if? There's so much of a load on the starters, and obviously the um, the other point is there that the starters are expected to play with that level of intensity on the defensive end and still produce on the offensive end. It's it's it's, it's quite frankly ludicrous what the play what's being expected of the players. And I think maybe 
too much is being expected of the, t- of the team as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean that's what we said. What we said on the tactics podcast as well. Right. You know, it's, but it comes into a vicious cycle because Nick Nurse doesn't think his bench is good enough. Doesn't want to play them, but his starters can't handle forty minutes of that defensive system, and it just goes round and round and round. So it's, yeah, it's a message to Nick Nurse: trust, trust your damn bench. You know, uh, and you aren't going anywhere without us. Right, and I think just to wrap the episode up, Kamel. Um, it, oh, it... I do want to say though, um, the return of one Utah Watanabe. Might bring something. I'm not saying offensive spark, but I'm saying slip a guy like that into the rotation. You've got one of the most willing defenders and switchers, probably uh, this side. Uh, yeah, this side of the uh, this side of the country. So fair play, fair play, Utah. We welcome you back into the rotation. Hope, um, hope there's big things for him. Yeah, but Kamel, I, I just wanted to say that to wrap things up. I know you wanted to give your insight on. Um, Chris Boucher's place in this team. I'm not sure if it's something you discussed last week, but uh, I know you were itching to mention it this week. So uh, what what's your opinion on his future in this team? Chris Boucher, obviously, I mean, a nominee in recent years for sixth man of the year or most improved player, just phenomenal, especially at 39.19 rebound game. Famously had last year. However, this season, he's just shown that not only has he not improved, but he appears to have regressed in all forms of the game, whether it be defense, offense, or IQ. This is none other highlighted than the recent game against the Warriors. Whenever he went to close out that corner shooter, he was, and I saw this quoted again, he was running like he was, an, he was trying to tackle someone in the NFL. He was absolutely hurtling towards the man. There's no nuance there. There's no sort of high basketball defense IQ there. And I worry, right? I know he started late, but he's 28 now. He's not really developing. And I know he's a very useful player, one of our tallest players, also probably one of our lightest players as well in terms of weight. But if he's not progressing, why is he getting so many minutes? He's averaging uh, 15. So he's one of the highest played bench players this season, shooting terribly, 36% from the field, 20% from three, less than 70% from the free throw line. Um I'm struggling to see the point of Chris Boucher right now. I'd much rather give the minutes to another one of the youngsters, whether it be Justin Champigny, give more minutes to Precious or Speed. You know, I'm, I'm really struggling with Boucher at the minute. No one is rooting for him more than I, but right now, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. And it, it's it, to think about his place on this team. Yeah, I think maybe last year, the year before, uh, the years before especially, like having this versatile big can defend multiple positions and, you know, who's not the greatest shooter would be, was a massive asset for this team. But this year we have so many players who fit that mould and who frankly have higher basketball IQs and also can shoot better. So yeah. they might not defend as well as Boucher. I think Boucher still, like... I, I absolutely love his defense, just in terms of his, you know, um, athleticism on that end. But even his, you know, team defensive IQ uh, in terms of not not just his man to man, but you know, especially in the half court setting, he does get lost sometimes. And like you said, sometimes he's trundling like a truck aggressively without playing with any sort of nuance on that end. Um, so we just basically have better guys who play his role. I think currently. So, yeah, I I think I absolutely agree with you, Kamel. Um, unless he 
steps that shooting up and he plays with a little bit more control, I think we should expect to see his minutes get reduced further because uh, something we mentioned earlier, like we do have the defensive personnel. It's just been about um, rotating in the correct ways and, you know, not playing with the high IQ of teams in previous seasons. And so if he's not able to show that kind of defensive veteranship, as he should be able to, because he's played within the system for a couple of years now, then, yeah, it's I'm, I'm also struggling to see him have that important uh, place on this team. Give Utah all his minutes. I promise you, we get 10 <laughs> times better result on the first game, and he's been out for months. Regardless, uh, that's the end of Raptors talk for this week. Varel, um, you have the honour of choosing the NBA team to highlight this week south of the border. Who are you picking? Oh, um, if we can quickly fit this in then. Uh, I know we've uh, almost reached a half hour mark, but for those of you guys still listening, I think the Mavericks were the team I wanted to highlight this week because um, very, very interesting turnaround, Kamel, because obviously they had their struggles in the early part of the season. But as, uh, as many other you know, writers and uh, reporters have been uh, discussing in recent uh, recent weeks. Looks like Paul Zingis is somewhat getting back to the kind of player the Mavericks were hoping he would be when he first joined this Dallas team because I think it can really be boiled down to just he's healthy, he's fit. He had an off-season where he could just really work on his game without having to you know, massage an injury. And look what that's done for him. Now that he can play a little bit more aggressively, he can just move so much better, you know, laterally. It's opened up all aspects of his game. But I think especially on the defensive end, because this was a guy who was a a very good uh, weak side, like rim protector when he was in uh, New York. Um, You know, he was never the most mobile in New York, but he was very much an above average defender in his position. And, he could uh, stay in front of, uh, I'd say maybe like three to five, maybe even two to five. Like he, he would always struggle with point guards, but he was, you know, somewhat mobile with his feet. But during these injury riddled years, like he would be so incredibly slow on the defensive end. Pretty much everyone was getting past him. So he was, I think, overall a liability on that end, even, even when he was playing as a quote unquote um, small five small ball five. But yeah, because he's got this mobility, this athleticism back, that's completely changed him on the defensive end, which is, I think, that's what's translated to the offensive end as well, because um, he was he's not particularly taking massively different shots than he was in previous years. You could argue maybe, ah, yeah, Luca with this, under this new Jason Kidd system, is willing to share the ball more and he's playing less hero ball. And hence, Paul Zingas is getting more touches. But I kind of, I wouldn't look at it from that perspective because Paul Zingas in prior years, he still would get touches in the post. Um, He would still be shooting, you know, his mid-rangers and three-pointers that he's wanting to shoot. But perhaps it can be argued that some of those shots are more within the flow of the offense because the offense is less about just, you know, Paul Zingas isolation and then, Doncic isolation and then switch switch back and forth like it seemed to be in previous years. Um, but yeah, I don't think the quality of a shot 
or his shot selection or anything that anything like that um, has massively improved this year. But I think because he's been healthy, he's just been knocking down his his shots, and that's why he's been averaging you know twenty five points plus in the past couple of games. He just yeah, it looks like a really really deadly one two combo at the moment in Dallas. Um, hopefully, he just stays healthy, and I think he'll continue. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess everyone, especially after a couple of brilliant games at the Clippers, are, are looking very much forward to the third playoff series between these two teams, and maybe Paul Zignis can step out for this one. Um, but that, that's a matter for, uh, for eight or nine months' time. But now, though, we're going to bid you farewell. We're going to hope that against Indiana and Memphis. Otherwise, we're going to produce pretty much exactly the same podcast, say, Next week, when um, someone like Jonas uh, Valanciunas drops seven threes or, or some, something or the other. Um, it's become pretty repetitive with the Raptors, but it's slowly getting there. We're slowly inching towards it. And fans who jumped on the bandwagon in 2019, oh, now you're knowing what it's like to stay patient. Ralph, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time, hopefully after a couple of dubs. Yep. Thank you. Take care, everyone.